All right, welcome back to the Real Alpha Talk podcast with Aaron. And today we're actually going to go into a deeper conversation with Abby, get to know her better, ask her a few more questions to uh, really delve into her background. And um, wanted to give a brief introduction on Abby as well before we get started. So Abby actually completed drama school, uh, so she's highly educated in acting per se, and she's bilingual, which is interesting, and she's a published voiceover artist and actress with a diploma of professional acting from the Bridge Theatre Training Company. So she's uh, she's well known for her track record in adapting to different projects and uh, perfect diction and pronunciation, which will meet different client needs, which is really interesting. It's really helpful to know. And uh, her portfolio actually includes e-learning material, narration, YouTube animation channels, character dubbing, radio, audio, books, promotional material, meditation, corporate videos, narration, and IVR. So uh, a lot to unpack there, Abby, but welcome to the Welcome to the show. Obviously, we've had a few episodes, but that's a lot a lot there to take in. Um, you've got a really interesting background, so welcome. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah, I think um, I know we've we've touched on a little bit about what I've done, but it's really nice to be put on the uh, put on the on the hot seat, I guess, and uh, dive into what I've done before. But yeah, when you when you listen to what I've actually done, I'm like, oh, I've actually quite achieved quite a lot. <laughs> It is. That's very impressive, very different. Um, there's there's probably a lot of terms there that I've never heard of, but uh, I I found it interesting that you've done like a, a quite a fair fair different a fair bit of different uh, type of voiceover. So yeah. it's interesting, especially like the meditation component. That that'd be interesting to talk to for the listeners. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about your background and where where you grew up and how you got got into voice acting? Yeah, absolutely. I think I probably started in my mum's stomach, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just always been within me. Um, I was actually, I'm British, um, born and raised in Portugal, in the sunny Algarve, south of Portugal. Um, absolutely incredible upbringing. Cannot change it for the world. It's just insanely good. Like, you know, we've had such a good international upbringing, my sister and I. She was born in England, but I was born in Portugal. And like you mentioned about being bilingual, like, I always feel like I should be better at Portuguese because I was born here, but um, my sister's actually way better than I am. Um, but yeah, having grown up in an international background, I guess that kind of like, not just in school, but in, in our in our world, like my, my family always, in, like my parents always included my sister and I in, in family and, and friends gatherings and that kind of thing. So I always kind of was, was influenced by a lot of people around me like we've always grown up with Irish friends and that's been a massive influence in in my life in terms of like accents and stuff that I can do um so yeah I guess it's always been it's always been in me and it, you know when you hit it's quite cliche it's like I've always wanted to be an actress well I kind of always have like I know in terms of like actual acting per se as in like film and tv and and theatre and stuff I guess that I have touched on those things but I think being behind the mic is my is my vibe now, and uh, it's opened up a whole world of variety out there 
because when I when I was first starting out, I didn't like you just mentioned about IVR. Like people would be like, "What is that?" So that's an innovative voice response. So you know when you hear all those messages on like you're you're on hold or something, please hold the line, all those those kind of ones. And <laughs> um, so that's what that is. <laughs> and yeah, I just I guess I've just been like you say, just influenced by people and surroundings as to to what I, I was always quite a good listener as well. Like people sometimes might have thought of me quite shy. But I was taking everything in because that's now driving me for my characters and my my life, really. Nice, nice. And you said you grew up in the UK. How how is that like as an upbringing? Like, what's it really like there? Um, well, I was actually I was born I was born in Portugal, but grew up here. So I actually only moved to England when I was oh, okay. eighteen. Yeah. So, oh, okay. You moved there um, when you were eighteen. Okay. Cool. Yeah, only when I was eighteen. So leaving my family behind here, like this, like we've got family and, and friends in England, obviously, but like aunties and uncles and cousins and yeah. stuff. But my my main hub was was always Portugal. So it was a big change moving from wow. little 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 Portugal to big London, the big smoke, you know. But it was some of the best days of my life. Like met some of my bestest friends for life, and like from walking in the door. Um, so yeah, I was, yeah. I don't know why, yeah. but like I always, when I was younger, I always used to stay in quite a lot and I was quite a home bird, but well, I say yeah. that like a mixture really, I suppose, but I, I don't, I don't think anyone really expected yeah. me to go off to, to London to study acting and, and it was just opened up a world of opportunities. It really did because there just wasn't enough over here in Portugal to carry on doing what I loved. Yeah. That's a interesting, interesting aspect to consider for some of the listeners. I guess sometimes you have to make the move, don't you, to yeah. open up, open up new doors, open up new yeah. avenues. Did it? Is that what it did for you when you went to London? Yeah, I mean, there, because there wasn't anything to do with like studying, uh, studying in. Sorry, I'll start again. Studying drama after leaving Portugal. Like I'd done my A-levels. I'd done, done stupid A-levels that I didn't want to do. But GCSEs over here was very similar to the English education. And um, there wasn't anything to do with acting. Like I got an A in acting and then I couldn't carry it on. Like the only A I've ever got. So it's like, okay, there's nothing else I can do with my profession now. Um, and I sort of hung back until I was old enough to go to England and then walked into got a place in a drama school and then on to another professional acting course two years after that so in total I did three years um but you know moving from Portugal it was it was huge I wouldn't say it's a necessarily like a culture culture change but well I guess culture change yes maybe but but as far as like a shock to the system it, it yeah it was a shock because you know it was a very pay you know slow paced lifestyle over here in Portugal whereas London's like busy 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 and for ages I loved that lifestyle that busy busy yep. busyness but then things happen and, and you take you take a step back and yeah but it was uh yeah, yeah. it's good you've uh you've hinted uh, in a few different podcast uh episodes with myself that the that you had a drug spiking incident so yeah i was interesting interested to unpack that and understand how that impacted your life and career did that happen in london yeah, so that actually, that was, I'd been in London quite a long time at that stage, so nearly seven, nearly seven years. And I, I mean, I guess you can always, you know, want to make a change in your life, but definitely not the kind of change that I had because I was working mm -hmm. in um, a sports club, like one of the 
I was a kids party coordinator and um it was actually a colleague's party and despite the fact that I'm sure a lot of people at that party would deny anything happening but at the time my family wanted to get me back to being me <clears throat> but I it did operate my life um completely and I'd say maybe for the better now but at the same time I didn't want to have to go through that for for me to have to be this side of it um but mm-hmm. I guess what do, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger hey um but yeah it was kind of like the yeah. only explanation because anyone in my world will ever tell you that I've never touched a drug in my life so to have cannabis in my ur- in my urine sample was like okay this is something serious now um so I com- actually complained about having a, a sore foot at the time um and that's what actually landed me in hospital to begin with because without that they wouldn't have actually been able to discover what was really happening to me but it kind of felt like i was being punished like there's a whole there'll be a book about it don't you worry <laughs> there will be a book about it but i'm actually at the stage where i can actually talk about it rather than you know being upset about it because i want people to be aware that this can happen to them um yeah. it's not like your usual I say usual spiking, but it's actually very similar to something that happened to this actor called David Harewood. And he describes it very, very scarily similar to what happened to me, only I think he actually knowingly took the drug. Um, But it's very scary, scary, similar Um, hallucinations. But at the time it felt normal. So it's really hard to, Mm -hmm. to explain what was real and what wasn't real. Um, And so whatever was was in the cannabis was obviously mixed with something hallucinogenic. That's what I've been told afterwards. Uh So, yeah, it's like a truth drug as well. (laughs) It was uh, very, Mm. very scary, very interesting. Um, I could have been put in a lot worse situations, trust me, but I'm obviously very lucky to still be standing here today. I guess I was handled in a way that you would think someone who, you know, is done something criminal. I felt like a criminal because... You know, I was pinned down to the bed and stuff because I was acting like hysterical. And but you know, uh, that's the kind of thing that people with mental health—it's such a touchy subject. And I still don't think that there's enough out there to destigmatize mental health and uh, the word being sectioned as well. Like I was sectioned. You know, that's a really scary thing to say, especially like now moving on to hopefully eventually wanting to start relationship and stuff. To say to someone, "Oh, I've been sectioned in my life before," they're like, "Whoa, hang on a minute." crazy girl you know the word crazy as well needs to be it needs to be criminalized you know that is what is that um section well it's basically from my understanding is like it's taking out your control over something so you are contained basically in your in your surroundings so you're not allowed to leave from your own will Uh which is scary because if you don't know but that's happening to you like if yeah. someone's yeah. if someone is genuinely like schizophrenic or bipolar, then they might have to be in 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 that way. But for me, yeah. I guess maybe that was what maybe that's what was needed at the time um, yeah. to to control do me. You, do you know like how this how the lead up to that incident happened? I mean, I was that whole week. Like generally, I had been run down. Like I was working solidly. I was exhausted. You know, I was maybe coming down with something and I actually wasn't even drinking alcohol the night of the party. That's what's even scarier. (laughs) So, like, I'd been to another work party, like like the staff party, a a few days before that. And I remember getting drunk that night, like, out of my own own stupidity um like like most people have at staff parties haven't they but then like two days later 
it was at this party and I remember how I got there. I remember being picked up. I remember being dropped back as well by the same girl. But at that party, I remember talking to the girl who was sat next to me, but I was texting her. Like, why was I texting her? She was literally right next to me. Um, I got up and suddenly Mm. started dancing really strangely, that kind of thing. Um, And then I got home at like 12, 12 a.m., um, for 4, 4 a.m. Then I started cleaning my apartment. Now I love cleaning, but <laughs> 4 a.m. I don't think that's normal. Okay. And then I started wow. yeah, <laughs> like a proper moniker from friends, um, cleaning. <laughs> and then, and then I was like, part of me has to, has to laugh about it because it's like, if you don't laugh, you, you'll end up crying. So, and I think there is, there yeah. is a lot of light and comedy to be had of this as well, but also like ridiculousness at the same time. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one because that then led to so many other events that it's just in absolute whirlwind and thought that the guy the guy above me in my flat, I thought that whole week anyway, not not after the party, but I thought maybe he was hurting his girlfriend, so I was really worried. So I'd told, Jeez. you know, that I think I'd called the police on him that week and stuff anyway. So I was like looking at my peephole thinking he was you know, that was the sort of hallucination side of it that I thought he was outside my, so I had like my spray can ready to, of deodorant ready to pounce on him, but he wasn't actually there. So it's things like that Uh, that can seem so, so real. I remember relating a lot of things to God. Like I'm not, I'm not particularly, I'm not religious. And like all these things about God and him coming to save me and afterlife and all of this and, Jeez. Yeah, it was just an absolute whirlwind. So I was in hospital for actually like 11 days the first time, um, then managed yeah. to get home, like saved by my family, saved by the bell, to bring me back home to Portugal because I needed recovery. And the only way I was going to get that is was to be helped back home, really. So I did. Yeah. I uprooted my life. I uprooted everything in London. And when I think back now, like, oh, you know, everything was swept away from me, but I don't think any of my hard work ever goes away because I think all of those foundations were put into place for what I'm doing now. Like I always think, yep. oh, but I studied all those years and I did this work and that work, but they've all brought me back to to doing something creative. So I don't feel like it was a complete waste. It was obviously just absolute shit that it happened <laughs> in that way. Um, so yeah, there's, <coughs> there's also obviously so much that needs to be said about it. But yeah, that's yeah, the shortened version. Uh... <laughs> It's a real concern that that could just happen to anyone. And, um, you know, I've heard about these kind of things happening in the news and sometimes it it leads to the friends actually kind of disowning you because you're acting weird as well. So then you can end, yeah. end up like alone as well, which is even more concerning. Like you don't want to be alone in this kind of situation. But yeah. if your friends are thinking you're acting weird, they just might think you're out of character or whatever, you know. Yeah, and like, luckily for me, the ones that didn't stick by me, I obviously know now that they're not, they're not worth bothering with. But the friends that were with me and the family that were with me, like my mom, bless her, she was pretty much with me every single step of the way. My sister, when she could, my dad, when he could, as well. You know, everyone was there in the hub of it. And like my two best friends, they were like, we, you know, a few years later, we didn't know if we'd get our Abby back. You know, and that just like cut like a knife because I was like, wow. But thank you for sticking by me because that's incredible. <laughs> like yeah. for you guys to have to actually see that as well. Yeah. You have to sort of see it from the other side, you know, because technically I didn't yeah. know what the hell was happening. So I wasn't going through it at the time. I'm yeah. just dealing with the aftermath of it now. 
and still all these years later how, I, I say I'm long, upset by it. But, how long were you uh, kept in this facility against your um, decision? Yeah, um, I think the first time was 11 days. And then I say the by saying the first time is that seven no eight months later I went back to stay with my sister and she had then moved to London. Uh, we'd like done a swap yeah. basically, and then I I had like another episode, what you call another episode, I guess, and I was I think I was sectioned again because whatever it was I the medication that I was on. Obviously, I wasn't on it long enough, so lack of sleep. Then I was excited about being seeing my friends again and family and. I was excited. My adrenaline was going absolutely, you know, 10 times faster than it would have normally done because I had sort of isolated mm. myself for eight months, really, to then be integrated back oh. into a normal world again. Yeah, yeah. It, set, it yeah. set me off. So lack of sleep can also do that to someone, which a lot of people don't realize that it can. Actually, you can hallucinate from from lack of yeah. sleep, um, burnout. There are a lot of people in yeah. in the in the wards and stuff who who almost sometimes yeah. admit themselves because London can mm. be heavy and if you don't get the right help, then you you can actually almost just send yourself in there. And how did you cope around that trauma of that experience? Like long term, did you have to implement some strategies for yourself to yeah. uh, recognize this kind of uh, you know? aspect of your life could come back yeah and I think like the trigger was always the worry after like what would be another trigger for it to happen again but I think this time the second time I was on the medication for many many years after that you know probably another three years or something like that and then you you weaned off it completely and thank god I'm probably like say I'm probably about seven years off it now which is incredible because in, you know, in seven years, nothing's happened. And I'm like, thank you. This is explained. This is not me. This is something that, like my dad always calls it like a computer switch. Something in my computer wasn't yeah. working. Someone switched it off. It's like anything. Uh-huh. You're in a coma because you, you've had you've got a broken leg and you, you've been in an accident. It's out of your control. So why should yeah. this be any different? And that is what I'm always going to try yeah. and fight for because it's just not fair. But but I guess by talking, that's been one of my main my main coping me- mechanisms talking with my family because I'm very open about it. I know it's difficult to hear um, from for a lot of people, but um, I'm a good talker. Like sometimes I don't know it's coming, but then I, I let it out. <laughs> I'm like, this is what's bothering me, but not, not necessarily to do with that, just anything that's bothering me in mm. life. Um, I'm, I'm very good at talking. And I think also like I did speak to someone about it for a while in therapy and yeah. it helped it, it helped yeah. somewhat, but it kind of just made me dwell on it more. So I found my own. Sometimes I feel like I'm my own counselor as well because I, yeah. I managed to yeah. to put myself through the things that I know work for me, like doing workouts. That's that's just powerful to me. Um, <clears throat> I do it for my mind more than anything. Um, so yeah, just getting into fitness really again after after having put on so much weight from the medication, it just completely shattered my my confidence really so being behind the mic it was the best thing to be able to to realize that that's what i wanted to do again so yeah it's yeah. just uh support so how, i guess how has this experience now shaped your perspective on life and um how you approach your work in as a voice actor i think for me like i would use what i've been through in an emotional way if i was going to be doing an audition or Maybe not partic- not just for 
for voice acting, I would say if I was going to get into film or anything again, you know, that would be a huge drive to be able to use that, to implement that into my acting work. Um, I guess it's just, it's made me mindful just to take time out as well and to really go for the things that I want to do because there's nothing worse than doing something that you don't want to do. So, <laughs> you know, you spend 90% of your time in your work. So making sure that I, I know, and I feel bad sometimes for having tried stuff out and let people down and, and I can't feel bad for that because I was trying it out for my own reasons, you know, to, to, to build myself forward. But, um, yeah, it kind of, it definitely shaped the way that I go with my career for sure, because it, it, it gave me that drive, would you say, um, to be able to, to be stronger. Yep. <clears throat> so when, when you talk about your experiences, like traveling, <clears throat> excuse me, um, <laughs> how has your experience of living across different countries such as the UK and Portugal influenced your voice acting career? I think that's a really interesting aspect as well to look into. Yeah, voiceover-wise, I would say just by being around professionals maybe in the business, um, listening as well to like radio, especially English radio, Radio wasn't something I massively wanted to get into, but I actually have got into some over here. But um, just being like character, character wise as well, is really interesting, not just in terms of voice acting. But um, I remember us having to go around in drama school. We had to go around Camden Town. I don't know if you've ever been to London, Aaron. <clears throat> but um, in no. the, especially in in the, in Camden Town, it's a really really quirky place. It's awesome. It's hilarious. Um, you get people from all walks of life. And I remember us having to go around and and pick up characteristics of actual people. So we would literally our assignment was go and watch watch people, <laughs> which oh, okay. you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> get. Well, you would get in Portugal, obviously, like there's lots of people to admire and to take on the characteristics. It's not taking the mickey out of people. It's literally that will build the foundations for your character. So I remember like follow, not necessarily following this person, obviously, because that would just be weird. Um, but observing people like people watching, like people do in airports and stuff like that, you know, parks, airports, whatever. And I think I took on this woman's limp and then I ended up doing like a Dutch accent. Like I, I grew up around some Dutch people here as well. And, you know, listening to different accents, I ended up like, hello, hello. Man. You know, I, I can't do a Dutch accent to save my life. That's one of the ones I can't do. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So what, okay. what accents uh, can you do? Gosh. Okay. Let me reel them off. So do I have to actually do the accent as I'm saying it? I think, uh, you know, if you feel comfortable, you know. Yeah, so I can do Australian. So, like, I haven't a clue. I think I've said this before. Like, I don't even know where I'm from, but apparently it's quite – you said it's a Bogan accent. And I've heard – which, I, what does that even mean? Like, I've heard it's from Cairnsmore, like Queenslandy, rather than Sydney, I reckon. If you say I don't Queenslander. Know. Queenslander. Queenslander? Yeah. Queenslander. Can't yeah. do New Zealand just baffles me. I know there's like certain things that you can do like to change it, but like that just no. Fashion chips. <clears throat> Fashion chips. Yeah, exactly. So can't do that. 
um, so I'll stick to the sort of generalized Australian one. And then American, like, I guess just a standard American, like I do a lot of audiobooks and it's just changing. Like in English, it would be like audiobooks <laughs> in American, it's audiobooks, um, <laughs> things like that. Tomato, tomato, <laughs> audio, uh, there's some other yeah. words I've come across recently, but, um, yeah, just more of a generalized standard American, um, South African, like I have like lo- loads, loads. No, now I'm going to Australian. Oh my goodness, this is testing. South <laughs> uh, <laughs> African is like a really, really good favorite that is quite clipped. Like I, I wouldn't say that's my my forte, but um, Irish. I do love a bit of Irish. My family friends are Irish from Dublin. I actually tried to do a Cork one the other day, and I don't know. That's going now into Northern Ireland is where we're going with this one. So that is the Northern Irish one, and I'm probably talking absolute rubbish. Um, and then I I do like a Scouser one. So like you go like that, and you talk about chicken. You have like just going on a night out. I'm gonna go get some chicken, um, and then I like I go into Geordie. Now, I don't know if you've ever come across a Geordie before, but they talk like that. Um, and then Yorkshire, my mum's from Yorkshire. But sometimes I do go from like Yorkshire and then I end up doing a Lancashire one, which is a very fine line. But I do love a bit of Yorkshire. And then I guess like more like London, really. Um, it might be like Essex. Yeah, innit? Try something like that. <laughs> I love it. That's so cool. <laughs> I think uh, your background is so interesting. You, you've done like a so such a broad range of work already in voice acting. Um, what what's been the most memorable project that you've worked on so far, and what what made it <laughs> special for you? Do you know what? I've actually got something in mind for this, and it's not something that you might expect me to say. But it's the most memorable thing, and and more in terms of like touching, like to my heart, is this um, this author who I've actually co-written a book with. Now I've never even met him, but um, we've collaborated, and his name is Chris Duke. Chris Duke. So if you want to go and buy his book, um, it's called Lucy's Blue Day, and he actually I approached him about voicing the book. No, it's to do with children's mental health. And as we know, mental health in general is really close to my heart. So Mm -hmm. he created like um, sort of a 2D, I think it was, animation um, to go with the voice and like the text along with it as well. And that just really inspired me to want to go down that route in terms of helping people with my voice anyway. So I felt like I was almost giving something back. I don't know back to mm-hmm. who, but just giving mm. back to the world, to yeah. the to the mental yeah. health world. I don't know, but just seeing the animation and my voice, and knowing that like thousands of people have listened to it, not in terms of like oh I'm going to be famous because it's not it's not going to be that way. I mean, one day yeah. hopefully, <laughs> um, but just to be recognised for not just particularly mental health, but in general for that kind of work. And then you've got the extreme of some of the other things that I do, which I won't go into. Um, (laughs) But generally just seeing, yeah, seeing my voice, not particularly just that project, but in general seeing my voice along with a character animation is like big, big stuff. I get like 
it's so excited and i don't know if people know like why i get excited about it like why do you get why do you get so excited about putting on voices and stuff but i guess i just i just love because there there are elements of me in there it's not just me being someone else i think it's me being a massive kid (laughs) as well so yeah i think those are probably i'm sure there's lots more but those are kind of the key key ones really How do you, how does one prepare for like a voice acting role? So I would say kind of the main things are anyway every day, which I should probably take my own advice is vocal warm ups is a massive thing to prepare for your whole career. Um, making sure that you understand the script is is also huge do your research um a lot of my friends say but you never get around to reading books so how 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 do you even do your job i'm like i don't know let's just not tell people that um oh whoops i've just told people um but that's just my personal life i enjoy i enjoy reading for my work um have a read through several times if you are doing the script make sure that you know the tone know the audience because that is knowing the audience can change your whole performance Obviously, if it's for a kid, you do it for, you know, not necessarily if if it's that type of wording, but you'll know by the tone of the script and how you're meant to deliver it. So, yeah, I would say if you are preparing for a particular role and I guess any role, not just voiceovers, any any role, know the character, bring elements of you to it, especially if it is TV acting Mm -hmm. or film acting, then bring elements of you because acting a lot of the time is reacting as well. Um, So, yeah. Using your nice. mind's Very eye, nice. something like that. That's what we were taught. Yeah. <laughs> taught. What is a vocal warm up? Like, I've ne- never really <laughs> experienced that, but is it uh, like they <laughs> see in the movies, do some weird stuff, like saying weird yeah. words and stuff? What, what is, what's involved in that? I wouldn't say, no, like, there are some weird words that you can use and like weird tongue twisters and stuff, and it can get a little bit messed up. But it's more, it's more the actual, like, your facial expressions like i could probably do some i don't know if this is actually being shown or not the video but we can we can show people what what i do i tell you if anyone walked in on my my vocal warm-up session they would just be like yeah um it's like we we had to do this this one thing that we had to do um it's kind of like movement as well comes into it so we did movement classes and when you're hungover it's not a good idea however we we had to stretch out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we have to go like banana, like really, like wide enough. <laughs> it just looks <laughs> hilarious. I'm like, oh my goodness. Whenever I do it, I do it sometimes for my niece and nephew. I think that's much more enjoyable because that makes more sense doing it to children. But like, just go, mm, um, <laughs> and then like, all those ones it's just like there are some tongue twisters it's like red lorry yellow lorry red lorry yellow lorry uh she sells she she sells seashells on the seashore she sells seashells on the seashore um peter piper picked a see something he picked something i don't know what he picked picked a peck of pick of peppers or something i don't know what he picked oh yeah so yeah, yeah there are some interesting things out there and how does how do actors memorize scripts? Like, there's, Ooh, good that question. must be a tough role as well, tough part of the role. Yeah, memorize. 
memorizing scripts. So, so I actually, when I was doing Dorothy, uh, when I was doing Dorothy, let me explain myself. When I was <laughs> Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz a few years ago, um, I recorded, I should have probably recorded the other person's lines as well, but I recorded my lines so that I knew if I knew their lines as well, that I listened to it in the car. So I played it in the car. <clears throat> I think I put on my Facebook one time, I was like, if anyone passes me in the car, just realize that I am actually not talking to myself. I am re <laughs> rehearsing my life. <laughs> so I kind of like said it with my voice as well. But I think everyone has their own technique. Like some people remember it per like paragraph, per chunk, per, you know, I think a lot of some people might even have like photographic memory, which is not me. Um, <laughs> but I think it's different ways, really. Yeah, I'd say maybe just recording it is my main, my main vice. Yeah, recording it and listening to it back. Yeah, to yourself over and over yeah. again, and also probably like even writing it out sometimes. Writing out, wow. although like voiceovers, you never really, you never need to me memorize. Like you need to be familiar mm -hmm. with it, but you've you've got it yeah. right in front yeah. of you. So, yeah, yeah, you definitely just need to be mindful of of the situation. Yeah. So there's a lot of like uh, like front loading of work <clears throat> to actually getting to like the point where you're recording, right? Mm. Yeah, definitely, so absolutely, in it's that a lot. Sense, like, do voice actors get paid for that preparation, or is it just like, no, you just get paid for the work? No, generally you get paid for the work, especially in um, in right. audiobooks. In audiobooks, it's um, it's really audiobooks are very strangely calculated, and that's why I never really wanted to get into them in the begin with, to begin with, because they are per finished hour, <clears throat> which means if you oh. spend one hour on one chapter, you don't get paid for that one hour. You get paid for like the six minutes and thirty seconds that that chapter add up, adds up to. Which is a very wow. strange concept. So you might spend 10 hours wow. on 10 chapters, but you don't get paid for 10 hours. You get paid for however minutes it actually elates to. Oh. Yeah. That's insane. It's tough. I mean, <laughs> it must be a business decision in a way, like, in a way, because you're a voice actor. Are you a, yeah. are you a business owner yourself? Sorry. Not necessarily, like, in terms of, like, a limited business. No, I'm just self-employed. But um, self And I guess a lot yeah. of the time, yeah, I have to set my own rates. But it's funny. I think we talked about this before. Like, people ask me, <clears throat> our clients say, can you quote for this or can you quote for that? And I'm yep. like, well, just tell me your budget and I'll see if I'll take it or not. Because, like, it's so varied. Uh -huh. Like, you can have – a lot of the yep. time people want you to have, like, a rate card. So, like, you have, mm -hmm. like, a little – a box, basically, sure. of, of what your yep. different types of – because there are you you get charged differently for yeah. every type of voice work um so it yeah, depends exactly. also like if it if it's a buyout as well so like you, mm -hmm. they have usage of your voice for a year or two then it's x price <clears throat> depends where it's going to be seen if it's going to be seen on the internet if it's going to be seen oh. um on tv oh, it depends where it's going to okay. be seen yeah it's it's, it's mad it's a completely different world <clears throat> okay what advice uh would you give someone who's interested in pursuing like a, a career in voice acting then? I would definitely say make it your full-time job because when you're not looking, when you're, when you're, when you're not working and you might have other jobs as well, because like a lot of us creatives in general, you do need that sustainable job behind you as well. 
But I would definitely say, A, have a backup as well. That's probably my, my next thing. Like have a backup job. Um, not in terms of like if if all else fails. It's just for those shorter, you know, those um, quieter periods, I guess. Like now I'm super busy, but then maybe next month I might not be. So having a sustainable job yeah. is really a huge key to it, <clears throat> running in the background. Yeah. Um, and I would say, yeah, definitely when you're looking for, when you're not working, look for more, always, always look for more. Because before Christmas, I was getting so frustrated about, you know, not having enough work and and yeah. in terms of like f- full-time voiceover work and I really wanted to call myself like a full-time voiceover artist but I was plugging away <laughs> plugging away and finally <laughs> the universe has answered and I'm like and then now I'm not looking for it because audiobooks are like my main job was what I would call now my full-time job <clears throat> along with sorry you might be able to hear a plane going by it's very and um anyway so they yeah so having a like a part-time job I, i've got lots of different jobs to be honest having a, a part-time job is a massive massive difference um and also that element of being able to get out as well because being stuck in a studio all day it's not it's not <laughs> ideal um, find your niche is another one i'd say find your niche like i know that i can do accents and but it's not always about that it's it's definitely about having more of those like conversational tones as well especially for well radio is different because radio can be like promotional more than anything you know it can be like salesy and when people say don't do a salesy voice I'm like oh hello and welcome I just I don't know where it comes from but it just it it just comes out of me so yeah I guess my forte is is more in acting and accents so that's the kind of jobs now I will reach out to but if I get approached for other stuff then that's amazing but yeah, definitely also having a really good microphone. Now, when I say good microphone, I mean good for your budget. Like don't go for a 40, 40 euro one. That's what I did. It's okay for certain things, but for the kind of stuff that you I want to be doing, it's not it's not good enough. <clears throat> Investing yeah. in probably like a good um audio interface is another one which is I'm getting quite technical <laughs> quite technical here I'm not <laughs> technical minded however I've had to learn um I would also yeah. probably say do well a look yeah look after your voice because that's key yeah don't drink too much alcohol um, <laughs> don't <laughs> don't enjoy life no um don't yeah just just make sure you drink a lot of water um and also probably do like an introductory course i'd say because that is something i probably would have liked to have done even though i had i did my acting course but i never did a specific like full year or full two years of of voiceover so even if it's like a six-week course or an online course even because everything is done online these days um so yeah i'd say that is well i've got i'm sure i've got lots more advice to give but um yeah <laughs> i think that's uh, that's that's enough for now <laughs> those are the kind of the main key things for people to start out on and that's for advice yeah we don't want to <laughs> don't want to um discourage anyone if they had the idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think also like asking for advice is is definitely something because like people are never going to be like i'm sorry to ask but can you help with this don't be sorry like it's your friend like i was oh i'm guilty of saying sorry i think that's just a british thing like i'm really sorry to ask but do you have any connections or you know that kind of thing don't don't be afraid because it's it's about networking as well 
<clears throat> it's about marketing yourself sure. once you've got your established forte niche or whatever it is definitely about establishing yourself in the world and like I find it really difficult to put put my work out there because I don't want people to feel like they have to share stuff but kind of yeah know who you know who your audience is as well really yeah yeah so lastly is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience about any of your experience your work or your journey as a voice actor I guess I've probably mentioned quite a lot of things already. Um, mm, good one. <laughs> You've got me there. Um, I, I just say always, always reach out for help. Um, if, you, if you need it, I think I just literally just said that now, asking for advice. And, um, and also nothing is ridiculous. Nothing, you, you, there's nothing that you can't do. Well, maybe there are certain things you can't do, like I cannot fly a plane, for example. But um, probably just have faith in yourself. Um, learn from your experiences as well, because they will only drive you, drive you the way that you're meant to go. Like, obviously, mm. if I what hadn't happened to me hadn't happened I wouldn't be back where I am now it wouldn't have forced me <clears throat> not forced because that's probably the wrong word to use maybe but it's driven me back here is is what I'd say more than forced me because now I'm in the place that I want to be I know that I want to definitely live in Portugal again after you know finding it difficult to think of a life for myself over here <clears throat> nothing is impossible so if you have big dreams go for them because I'm still waiting for Disney to call and they will call I don't know, it might be their secretary, but, you know, they'll still call. <laughs> um, <laughs> it might not be, uh, yeah, the big the big people, but uh, they'll be big to you. And, yeah, just keep dreaming. Keep dreaming. Because dreaming is believing. <laughs> well, I, I mean, we're listening to Abby, a Abigail Townsend, so... Everyone's going to come back to this podcast when uh, you when you make the the big the big game. So this is going to be an iconic moment. So maybe just wait for that. And you know this you know this episode is going to be really helpful for other people. So yeah, know, I watch hope this that's space, what... I guess. And yeah, you've got to set goals to manifest them. So without the goal, you cannot manifest, and without writing it down, you can't achieve it. So. Something I really resonated was Definitely. with was um, the fact that you were you're focused on keeping the main thing, like the main thing, like go all in, like having an all in attitude. Are you able to unpack that a little bit yeah. more, like your mentality behind that? I suppose uh, there's never an ending to it. That's kind of like the disadvantage of it is that, you know, going all into it is like you never stop. You never walk away from your phone. And it's, I, I training myself to step away from my phone. Like this Sunday, I had the most laziest day ever and I hardly looked at my phone and it was amazing. <clears throat> but not just for social stuff. It was it was literally because I'm always looking for that next big gig, that next big thing. But yeah, it's is trying to have a balance I guess is kind of the the key feature here is just having a balance of it because you can get completely swamped and then you won't be able to perform as well it's like anything you know you, you burn yeah. out you're not able to play football as well or cricket as well or rugby as well you know yeah. it's it's like anything in life you've just got to have a good balance yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well that's good advice well thanks for coming on the podcast once again Abby 
Now we're going to have many more episodes together to discuss different topics, but I think it's Definitely. really beneficial to get to know you better, even if on just on the surface. But uh, I know that there's such a depth of character and and experience there that I think it's worth the listeners knowing more about you. So that it's really beneficial. And uh, thanks Thank again you. for coming on. And uh, yeah, we we wish you well with your future endeavors. I know that you've set some really big goals for yourself, but uh, you. why why aim small when you can aim big? You know, um, shoot for the stars and you land on the moon. So that's what they <laughs> say. And um, what what's the what's the easiest way for people to get in contact with you? Are you on socials? Yeah, definitely. Um, Instagram Abigail Portugal. No, I'll start. I always say this wrong. Abigail Voices Portugal. I need to change it. Otherwise, go to my website, which is abigailvoices.com. Nice, nice. Well, for anyone listening, if you want to reach out to Abby, highly encourage you to uh, reach out to her. She's got a, a very broad background in voice voiceover acting, which is quite a niche uh, niche profession as it is. Uh, obviously, we've got Abby helping out with the podcast, but she's got this depth of experience with voiceover acting, which is something that, you know, now you can tap into if, if you're listening to this. So thank you again, Abby, for coming on. And thank you. Aaron. We, and we'll see, see everyone next week.